Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for February 28th, 2011. And we're going to switch gears here and talk about how the U.S. government is creating fake people on social networks to promote propaganda. Uh, from Patriot Action Alerts, from the national director of that. <clears throat> the U.S. government is offering private intelligence companies contracts to create software to manage fake people on social media sites and create the illusion of consensus on controversial issues. The contract calls for the development of a persona management software which would help the user create and manage a variety of distinct fake profiles online. The job listing was discussed in recently leaked emails from a private security firm, H.B. Gary, after an attack by the Internet activist last week. Now, you can click on this link to actually view this governmental contract. It's in a PDF format online. I'll give you the link for the 228.11 teaching on contendingfortruth.com. Just click on the PDF. It'll be on about page, I think it's going to page 4. Top of page four. Anyway, according to the contract, the software would, quote, protect the identity of government agencies by employing a number of false signals to convince users that the poster is, in fact, a real person. A single user could manage unique background information and status updates for up to ten fake people from a single computer. The software enables the government to shield its identity through a number of different methods, including the ability to assign unique IP addresses to each persona and the ability to make it appear as though the user is posting from other locations around the world. Including, included in H.B. Gary's leaked emails was a government proposal for the government contract. The government describes how they would actually friend real people on Facebook as a way to convey government messages. So, in other words, if there's a group that is on one side or another of an issue, ideally, if you were Satan, wouldn't you want to control both sides? Controlled conflict brings controlled change. It's the Hegelian dialectic. They're trying to, bring, they're trying to create a problem and then ultimately have, you know, two sides worn with one another so that they can give you their synthesis of the two, their solution to the problem, their order out of chaos, if you will. That's what this is all about. So, going further, the government described how they would friend people on Facebook as a way to convey government messages. This document reads, and I'm going to give you a whole bunch of quotes from the document, quote, those names can be cross-referenced across Facebook, Twitter, and MySpace and other social services to collect information on each individual. Once enough information is collected, this information can be used to gain access to these individuals' social circles. So, I mean, to me this is just so pathetic. But it is pretty draconian at the same time. So the government describes how they would friend. You know how you get a friend request on Facebook? And the document reads, those names can be cross-referenced with Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, other social media services to collect information on each individual. They're building a dossier on you, on everything you're saying, everything you're posting, and who all your other friends are. Once enough information is collected, this information can be used then to gain access to these individuals' social circle. Even the most restrictive and security-conscientious people can be exploited Through the targeting and information uh, reconnaissance phase, a person's hometown and high school will be revealed. An adversary can create a classmate.com account at the same high school and year and find out people you went to high school with that do not have Facebook accounts. And then they can create the account and send a friend request. Do you realize what I just said? They would be so petty... It's so pathetic that they would actually go find out what high school you graduated from, what year you graduated from there, and then find out who in your graduating high school class doesn't have a Facebook account, so then they would create a fake profile of that person and then try to friend you. 
I mean, you talk about George Orwell, 1984 Big Brother garbage. This is like the quintessential essence. Then, under the mutual friend decision, which is where most people can be exploited, in other words, if you get a friend request from somebody you went to high school with, you're most likely not going to turn that down as a friend request. Well, under the mutual friend decision, which is where most people can be exploited, an adversary, they're calling them an adversary, which is true, an adversary can look at a target's friend, friend list. Let's say you have your Facebook on, like, isn't there like a private mode you can have? Well, at that point, now you're in, okay? An adversary can look at the target's friend list if it is, if it is exposed and find out the target's most socially promiscuous friends. Meaning they're just a social butterfly. They're friending everybody. They're promiscuous on Facebook. The ones that have over three to 500 friends, and then what they can do, these... So they go up there, back like the old buddy or whatever. They can look at your target's friend list and um, find the most... Find the ones of your friends that are the most socially promiscuous. The ones that have over, in other words, the ones that have over three to 500 contacts or friends. And then what they try to do is friend those people, the ones that are most socially promiscuous, in order to develop mutual friends before sending a friend request to the target. So that way, oh, we've got all these mutual friends, I went to high school with you, this or that. Who's going to turn them down? To that end, the friend's account can be compromised and used to post malicious material to the target's wall. When choosing to participate in the social media, an individual is only as protected as his or her weakest friend. So just understand, if you have a Facebook account now and these types of things, you're in a virtual Big Brother minefield. Not only was Facebook created by the CIA... And we're going to prove that real soon, because I'm going to play a short video, and I've sent that out many times. But now you're having to deal with this garbage as well. You know, I wish it wasn't this way, but unfortunately it is, and I have to warn you about this. Other documents in the leaked emails include quotes from H.B. Gary, CEO Aaron Barr, saying, quote, There are a variety of social media tricks we can use to add a level of realness to all fictitious personas. Using hashtags and gaming some location-based uh, and gaming some location-based check-in services, we can make it appear as if a persona was actually at a conference and introduce him or herself to key individuals as part of the exercise. As one example, additional emails between HB Gary employees originating from Bar discuss the vulnerability social networking causes. One employee wrote, "Quote: And now social networks are closing the gap." between the attacker and the victim. I mean, they're admitting it's like you're being attacked. To the point where I just found 112 females who are wives of servicemen, all stationed at Hubert Field, Florida. In case you don't know, this is where the CIA flies all their private airlines out of. He goes on to say, what a joke. The U.S. is no longer the superpower in cybersecurity and probably won't be in other areas very soon. The creation of internet propaganda software is only one of H.B. Gary's controversial activities. According to WikiLeaks competitor and occasional collaborator, Cryptotome.org, several other progressive organizations were intended to be targeted, including anti-war activists, anti-torture organizations, and groups opposed to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. So they're just trying to infiltrate everything. I mean, what a pathetic life to actually work for one of these places and actually, what do you do all day? Well, I go up and I'm I'm a fake, I do fake Facebook personas and I gain people's trust and I I trick them and I lie to them and then I go in there and I infiltrate them and I I slander them and I post all kind of garbage about them once once they've taken me into their their inner social circles and then not only that, but I'm I'm actually... um, uh, data mining all of the things about them and we're recording all of what they're saying and we know exactly what they're saying, what they're doing, who their friends are, who their social circle is. I mean, what, an, what a rewarding life, you know? I mean, you know, hey, you're really uh, serving Satan well. But this is why, I mean, every time I've tried to get on Facebook, and it has, has been a little while since I've been off, you know, I just see some horrific thing about it then I'm like, I can't do this. It's, it's not optional. 
And I got people saying, oh, you'd have so much more exposure if you were on fate. Well, that may be true, but I don't want that kind of problem or ultimate exposure. And knowing who actually founded Facebook and knowing the roots of it, I really can't participate in it. And which brings me to my next article entitled Facebook and Google are CIA fronts. There used to be a saying, no one makes a name for himself without giving up something. As a youngster, I was awed by people who made it to, quote, made it to the top by creating and innovating, creating and innovating corporations, technologies, or simply establishing themselves through sports, music, entertainment, etc., thus becoming millionaires. Now, this is written from an unsafe standpoint. Now, as I've grown older, I realize how illusionary this paradigm really is. I came to this conclusion that if you want to reach the top, you have to give up your soul. For the most part, it's pretty much right. You know, the Bible says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. <clears throat> Take Mark Zuckerberg, for example. He is one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the last decade. Having made a fortune through his Facebook empire, he now reaches more than 500 million people worldwide. It seems like a fairy tale. A student creates a new interface to connect the people through the world. Well, it sounds great, doesn't it? It were if it were true. Here it is, a good video that demonstrates that Facebook was indirectly funded by the CIA with the goal of learning and storing everything there is to know about you. Why? To monitor and to ultimately control you. So we're going to listen to this four-minute video right now. And you can, again, I give you the link on the PDF if you want to go watch it. You can do that as well. But most of what you're going to need to know, you're going to hear on the video. Do you have a Facebook? Have you thought about the privacy you put at risk? Facebook allows users to post their favorite music, books, movies, their address, hometown, phone number, email, clubs, jobs, educational history, birth dates, sexual orientation, interests, daily schedules, exactly how they are related to friends, upload pictures of themselves, and even political affiliations. Its privacy policy even goes so far as to state it also collects information about you from other sources, such as newspapers and instant messaging services. This information is gathered regardless of your use of the website. Think that's scary? Facebook's term of service state, by posting member content to any part of the website, you automatically grant and you represent and warrant that you have the right to grant to Facebook an irrevocable, perpetual, non-exclusive, transferable, fully paid, worldwide license with the right to sub-license to use, copy, perform, display, reformat, translate, excerpt, in whole or in part, and distribute such information and content and to prepare derivative works of or incorporate into other works such information and content and to grant and authorize sub-licenses of the foregoing. Have you seen the Facebook's Pulse feature? Pulse provides statistical trends among universities down to minute details such as percentages of females with conservative views, the student body's top 10 movies, and percentage of students who have read Catcher in the Rye. The so-called privacy policy goes on to say that they may share your information with third parties, including responsible companies with which they have a relationship. Can you think of any marketing group who would pass up buying such valid yet easily collected statistics such as these and others? So maybe they're using us. But is there more? The first venture capital money totaled at $500,000 came to the Facebook from venture capitalist Peter Thiel, founder and former CEO of PayPal. He also serves on the board of radical conservative group Vanguard PAC. Further funding came in the form of $12.7 million from venture capital firm Excel Partners. Excel's manager, James Breyer, was former chair of the National Venture Capital Association. Breyer served in National Venture Capital Association's board with Gilman Louie, CEO of InQtel, a venture capital firm established by the Central Intelligence Agency in 1999. This firm works in various aspects of information technology and intelligence, including, most notably, nurturing data mining technologies. Breyer has also served on the board of BBN Technologies, a research and development firm known for spearheading the ARPANET, or what we know today as the Internet. In October of 2004, Dr. Anita Jones climbed on board BBN, along with Gilman Louie. But what is most interesting is Dr. Jones' experience prior to joining BBN. Jones herself served on the board of directors for InQtel, 
and was previously the Director of Defense Research and Engineering for the U.S. Department of Defense. Her responsibilities included serving as an advisor to the Secretary of Defense and overseeing the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. This goes farther than just the initial appearances. Just so you know, that's DARPA that she was working with, and in QTEL. So uh, this is one big, whole bunch of slimy tentacles here, okay, having everything to do with Facebook and its roots and foundations. The Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. And the foundations of Facebook have been, since its very inception, totally corrupted, a shot to national fame in 2002 when knowledge of the existence of the Information Awareness Office came to light. The IAO stated its mission was to gather as much information as possible about everyone in a centralized location for easy perusal by the United States government, including though not limited to internet activity, credit card purchase history, airline ticket purchases, car rentals, medical records, educational transcripts, driver's licenses, utility bills, tax returns, and any other available data. All of the above raises more questions than answers. Perhaps if the Facebook wishes to stay ethically sane, it should enact the policy. What happens in the Facebook stays in the Facebook. But as we know, that will never happen. It's been corrupted, it's been co-opted, and it's it's not going to change. It's just going to keep getting worse. <clears throat> Again, the people have been totally duped by Facebook mania and can only see what they are told to see. As my friends say, it is to connect people and share information. In the wake of the recent crisis in Egypt, we might add that Facebook has become not just a data mining operation, but also a soft power proxy for crisis creation. Let's look at the headlines that should cast no doubt on the true character of the CIA book. And they're calling it CIA book instead of Facebook. And I give you all the links here. One of them is Facebook, Zuckerberg says... The age of privacy is over. Now, he's the one that supposedly invented Facebook. The age of privacy is over. And that's comforting words. Coming from the guy that supposedly invented Facebook. Next one is, Facebook, Zuckerberg says, privacy is no longer a social norm. Oh, no, we can't. That's not a social norm. You're, you're, you're some kind of mutant now. If, if, you're, uh, if you just don't reveal all your information, what do you have to hide? You know, that's not the social norm. Then the next one, CIA, the Facebook, uh, CIA conspiracy. And then the next one, the face of Facebook. Uh, Facebook and social media, a convenient cover for spying. <clears throat> you, and then the next article, U.S. spies invest in internet monitoring technology. And anyway, that, there's all these links there that you can click on if you want to know more about this, if you're still not convinced at this point. So... Next article is California School District Battles Truancy with GPS. <clears throat> Students with a tendency towards truancy in California's Anaheim Union High School District are being assigned GPS units to make sure they're going to go to school on time. According to the Orange County Register, the GPS units are the size of a chunky cell phone and are developed by Dallas-based AM Truancy Solutions, which operates in more than 100 middle and high schools in three states. The Anaheim Union High School District is part of a volunteer six-week pilot program that is outfitting 7th and 8th grade students who have more than three unexcused absences with these devices. Three. Can you imagine you've got more than three unexcused absences? We're going to have to fit you with a GPS. Three. I mean, this is just in total insanity. In Austin, Texas, where this experiment also ran, it was used for middle and high school students who had racked up between 20 and 25 absences. But you see, this is where it first started. Oh, if they got 20 or 25 absences. Now, that's a lot of absences, i got to admit. But now, they're like, well, we're going to make a slight jump in this. We're going we're gonna to do it so now anybody with more than three is going to have to have one of these GPS units. When asked by the Orange County Register why these devices are handheld rather than strapped to the students, oh, I don't know why. I mean, why not just implant them with a microchip? That's what it's all going to end up coming down to anyway. This is just getting us used for the mark of the beast. 
Well, they'll be able to track you, GPS, real time, anywhere on the planet, basically, via satellites, geodesic satellites. Well, when the Orange County Register asks why the devices are handheld rather than strapped to the students, I mean, oh my word, why, why aren't they... Why aren't they strapped to the students? I mean, isn't that the implication? Miller Sylvan, regional director of AM Truancy Solutions, says, we don't want to criminalize the kids or have them wear any bracelet or something around their ankle that would stigmatize them. I mean, isn't that what they do with common criminals? I mean, you know, they, they put those bands on them when they go into court and, you know, if they say, okay, you're under house arrest, it's exactly what they do to them. Well, this is really... Pretty much the same thing. You know, it's just that they've got a little more freedom with this. Every school day, the participants... This is, this is unbelievable. Every school day, the participants receive an automated phone call reminding them to get to school on time. They are then required to enter a code that tracks them, their location, during their departure for school, arrival at school, and lunch period, and departure from school... At 8 p.m. 8 p.m.? Boy, they're in school a long time. The register reports. I cannot believe there wouldn't be absolute total outrage over this. Can you imagine, that you're, you're, as a parent, your, your child comes home, well, I've got more than 300 excused absences, i got to have this GPS big brother tracking system that I carry around and tells me exactly what to do. And I better be exactly where I should be at all times of the day. Or what? They throw you in jail? 30 days in the electric chair? I mean, what's what's the punishment here? I mean, total insanity. That's all I can really say about this. The devices cost between three to $400 a piece. Altogether, the six-week program costs about $8 a day for each student. Or $18,000. I guess maybe that's for several of them together. It's estimated that the schools lose $35 per day for each absent student. Why would a school lose a dime if somebody doesn't show up? What does that mean? I think, and I can't guarantee this, but I think just like our prison systems are set up in America... We have more prisoners uh, incarcerated in America than any other place on earth, per capita. We've got the highest prison rate of any place on the planet here. Prisons are big business. And it's, it's fairly complicated how it works, but believe it or not, they are literally making money off each prisoner for every single day they're in prison. And it's how that is is complicated to explain to you, but I think that it's similar when they said, how could they lose $35 a day for students that don't show up? I think it's the same thing. It's a public school, it's a governmental run public school system, just like the prisons are. And I think that's why that is the case. Could be wrong, but I think it is. It is estimated that, that these public schools lose $35 a day for each absent student. So AM Truancy Solution Program is a cost savings. How could it be a cost savings? They're not showing up. How's that costing them anything? Anyway, some parents weren't thrilled with the program. Imagine that. This makes, and then it goes on to say, this makes us seem like common criminals, one parent said, who accumulated six unexcused absences. Six. Ooh, boy. They must, uh, I'm surprised they didn't just gut shoot them out in the open to make an example. You know, cattle prod them in front of the whole school, maybe. I mean, it's insanity what we're talking about. We might as well just take it to the next level, right? Where's this going to end up? But perhaps carrying a GPS unit and regularly logging one's location is better than the alternative. Police investigator Armando Pardo told the register that if the district attorney prosecutes truant students, they could be sent to juvie, meaning juvenile detention centers, and get smacked with a $2,000 fine. You're telling me you're going to send somebody to, you're, you're going to incarcerate them and fine them $2,000 because they don't show up to school? I mean, 
Granted, yeah, I mean, of course, public school systems are so corrupt. But this is, this is like a police state, prison state, is what we're kind of describing here. Total, total insanity. But this is the day and age that we're living in now. And this is accepted as, you know, the, the more people just don't do anything about this type of thing and don't get up in arms about this, the more they're going to implement this. Because that's how the Illuminati operates. Nearly two-thirds of the students enrolled in the AIM, meaning this truancy thing, uh, in the fall semester of 2010 achieved a perfect attendance, imagine that, while on the initial program, and all the students combined averaged 97% attendance. They were good little Nazis now. You know, they were doing exactly what they're told, being where they're going to be, when, they're, when they should be there, just like Big Brother wants them to be so they can go to their public schools and get indoctrinated and brainwashed, because that's why they really want them there. And they are making money off them, evidently. So anyway, I wanted, I mean, in light of the whole Facebook thing that we just talked about, I wanted to, I had a few of these privacy things that I wanted to talk about. Next one, rental car, Big Brother's watching you down under. In Australia, a new type of in-car GPS does a little bit more than help you locate the nearest Starbucks or McDonald's. Two of my favorite places to go on the planet. I mean, you could go to Starbucks and get your mother goddess Gaia uh, cursed coffee who is one of the most largest supporters of Planned Parenthood that there is. And if you've ever seen their original logo, it's beyond... uh, uh, beyond profane, I guess you'd say. Uh, It's pretty perverted. Really pretty perverted. I've sent out the emails with the image before. but And then there's McDonald's, factory farming our us, you know. Just try eating it every meal. That, that guy at Super Size Me. Ever seen that documentary? A guy tried to eat McDonald's three times a day for a month. Almost killed him. Because of all the garbage that they put in the food. And there's the, that one lady, or there's several people that have those those ham, McDonald's hamburgers that they're, you know, they, they towed them around five, ten years later and they're still perfectly good. Nothing's grown on them. Because nothing can. Because they're so toxic. Other than that, it's all good. You know. Anyway, um, this new GPS does a little bit more to help you locate the near Starbucks and McDonald's. This rental car GPS keeps an eye out on your driving habits as well as your location. That means the rental car company knows when when you take its car somewhere it's not supposed to be. You bad, bad boy. You're going to have to be punished. And then, or that flat tire that you claim happened overnight was actually caused by taking the 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 rental car on an unpaved road. Oof. Boy, oh boy. Drive My Car Rentals is the name of the company, is installing the new tracking devices in about 30% of their vehicles as they just want to keep their cars safe and sound. If you're caught taking your car off the beaten path, you will receive a text message to remind you that you're in violation of the rental agreement. I'm surprised they don't put like a uh, maybe a shotgun shell under the under the driver's seat and just you know do away with you right there once you go off the road. You just have to be dealt with, right? I'm, again, I, I bring those points up because where's it going to end? You know, I mean, if you let him get away with this, where's it going to ultimately end up? I believe it's going to get to the point where every aspect of these cars is going to be monitored. And they'll know if you go one mile over the speed limit. And you'll probably be, you know, oh, you went over, you went uh, three miles over the speed limit for whatever X amount of on this particular journey. And you get a nice big fat ticket in the mail. You didn't use your turn signal at Fifth and Vine. That's reckless driving. You get another ticket. It's going to get to the point where I believe life will be that micromanaged. And that's a terrible way to live. Terrible way to live. Big brother looking over every single aspect of your life. That's the way they would want it to be. I'm not saying God's going to let it get that bad. I'm saying if Big Brother were to have his way, 
That's the way it would end up being. And this is why you resist this type of... I mean, I wouldn't do... I wouldn't rent a car from them. You know? Or whatever other way that you feel convicted. These are things to pray against. Some, I mean, I'm not saying particularly this particular issue, but when you see evil, you know, expose it as evil. If you feel, feel so led to do so. Shed light on the darkness. Reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and have no fellowship with them. This is what we're doing today. This is evil. Going further, so, if you're caught taking your car off the beaten path, you receive a text message to remind you that you're in violation of the rental agreement. Understandably, an Australian civil liberties group isn't too thrilled about the Big Brother tracking device, especially since they're concerned about the company storing your travel habits. They're going to know everywhere you went, did, the, the um, if you're going over the speed limit, under, <coughs> everything. Drive My Car Rentals insist that everything is in real time, so they don't keep a running tally or record of where you've been. Oh no, we would never do that. What a lie. That's like TSA saying they don't store the images when you go through the the uh, naked body scanners, the pornographic naked body scanners at the airport. Oh no, we wouldn't ever. And that's been proven to be a total lie. They do so store all the images. So they have these naked images of anybody that's went through those TSA scanners. They've got, you know, the full naked image of your body stored in their database. Taylor just brought up that, to, well, to prove that, or, or at least a little more evidence of that. Well, the, the, the evidence of that was when they, they were using these TSA body scanners for courthouses, and they found that they went back to this one courthouse and found there was all these thousands of images for, like, this particular month that was saved on the hard drive. It's just lies. It's just, you know, you can't trust anything they're saying. They say they're not... I mean, why would they be up on Facebook data mining? You think they're not saving that information? Yeah, they're saving everything. They're saving every bit of it. And they're doing the same thing with the TSA images. And then there was that that movie star guy that went through the TSA scanner. I think it was in, like, England. And they were, within, like, an hour, they had literally printed out pictures of his naked body. And they were handing them out to all their, their friends. It's, you know, a nice keepsake or memento, evidently, of, of uh, his time through there. So, yeah, I mean, this stuff is being done, and, you know, TSA is so corrupt. I, I haven't said a lot about them lately, but, I mean, they're, they're, they're being convicted of doing all kind of heinous, unbelievably wicked, evil things, because they're in a heinous, unbelievably wicked job. So, even if they started out okay, the devils and demons and evil forces that emanate and operate through TSA are going to affect them and darken their mind to the point where they're going to you know, become more and more wicked and evil the longer they work in that particular job. Most likely. <clears throat> Next article. Um, Ohio legislature hears evidence of human-animal chimera experimentation. <clears throat> this is from Raiders News Network. This was their lead story. Ohio Christian Alliance President Chris Long made the following statement. For the past eight years, OCA, which is this Ohio Christian Alliance, has been working with members of the Ohio legislature to ban embryonic stem cell research, human cloning, and in recent years, animal-human hybrids. I mean, you would think, I mean, this is just, again, total insanity, and it's like animal-human hybrids. Nice. I mean, like that show Splice? Where, I mean, that just came out not too long ago, where it has that woman-like, I don't know what it's, she's a combination of, but <clears throat> they're doing this stuff. You have to understand, if they're just talking about it, they've been doing it, most likely in underground bases, for years and years and years. Isn't that what the days of Noah were all about? If you think about it? The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, they took them wives all that they chose, and in those days were giants. Nephilim, fallen ones. They were the offspring of these fallen angels and women. And Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, which is basically where we're in right now. We're on the cusp of it. Well, we shouldn't be 
Satan is always going to try to defile humanity every way he possibly can. This is just one of the ways. He's going to defile God's creation through genetically modified organisms and crops and, you know, Monsanto's at the, probably the spear tip of that. He's going to try to defile defile humanity, transhumanism, implants in in men and women, uh, all this, these surgeries that these people are getting, like they're, you know, sex chain surgeries, and any way that Satan can conceive or think of to defile humanity in his creation, he is trying to implement that at a breakneck speed. Because the more humanity in nature is defiled, I guess the, you know, the, the more it pleases Satan. And the more things are defiled, the more evil the environment gets in general. If you think about it, this is grievous to God. Science has advanced to the point where DNA from animals and humans can be intermixed in scientific laboratory experimentation. These experimental practices simply are outrageous. Now, this is the this is the statement from this Ohio Christian Alliance president, Chris Long. Human-animal hybrid research is currently being conducted in England, with which many in the international medical community now consider to be a rogue medical state. <clears throat> it is known that some experimentation has taken place in the, in the U.S. laboratories. I guarantee you there's probably more that's been done in the U.S. than in England. Just we don't know about it. This would fall under the whole type of black projects that the government funnels billions and billions and billions of our tax dollars every year into. Your tax money at work. There's no accountability, there's no oversight of these black projects. None. None. They can spend your tax dollars any way they please. Ohio Christian Alliance commends State Senator Chris Jordan from Ohio's 19th District for taking the leadership role in sponsoring this legislation. I guess to ban this type of experimentation. Leading the testimony in this legislation ban will be Dr. David Pretense of the Family Research Council who states creating experimental humans through nuclear transfer cloning or as animal-human hybrids is an unethical use of science and will not lead to useful medical treatments for patients. The bill should be passed quickly and the focus should be on ethical and successful research that puts patients first. Ohio Christian Alliance believes that no human life should begin and end as the subject of an experiment. We attest that a process that knowingly encourages human life to be created, manipulated for research, and ultimately destroyed is immoral and should be prohibited. And all who believe that human life, including nascent human life, is unique and precious gift from our Creator have an obligation to support the ban of it. The bottom line is still that any ban short of a total prohibition on human cloning further devalues the sanctity of human life. And then it also gives this Chris Long his actual contact phone number if you want to contact him. It's 330-887-1922. And it will be on the PDF as well. Uh, Let's see here. And... Okay, these are some quotes, oh my word, from government experts, scientists, and reporters on the vision echoed in Tom Horn's book, Forbidden Gates. Okay, these are some quotes from these guys. These would be the guys like in the transhumanism field, you know, and really at the uh, upper echelons of scientific research into human cloning Uh, animal-human hybrids, these types of things. First quote, Dr. Leon R. Cass, former chairman and president on the Council of Bioethics. Good old Leon says, Dr. Leon says, quote, all the boundaries are up for grabs. All the boundaries that have defined us as human beings. Boundaries between being human and animal and between a human being and a superhuman being or a god. End of quote. Unbelievable. I mean, you talk about full of pride. You talk about of their father the devil and of his lust they will do. 
These guys are, are at the forefront. These are the ones that would have no problem wiping out 95% of the population in order to create a super race. Just like Hitler wanted to do. The fifth root race. The perfect Aryan. The God-man. Those are all terms that, that the Nazi party used. <clears throat> Evolution was the basis for this. Darwinism. Charles Darwin. Because, hey, if we evolve from primordial slime, and there's just different ones of us that have evolved better and quicker and purer, then the other inferior races just need to be done away with. The Jews first, the blacks, they all need to be done away with. Any inferior races that are not of pure Aryan stock. And I said that last week, that they said one of the places they're not going to so much target in depopulation is going to be like the European states, because you have more of that Aryan, Nordic bloodline. Blonde hair, blue eyes. How much that plays out, it's, it's hard to say, but it makes sense. <clears throat> well, I have some Bible verses that relate to this. <clears throat> uh, quote by Dr. Leon Cass about you know us being superhuman or a god. Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the gardens. The first thing he does is he questions the word of God. That's the first thing Satan will always typically do. He will question the word of God. Which is what all these other Bible versions that I mentioned previously are doing anyway. They're saying, no, 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 it doesn't say that, it says this. It's better rendered this way. And, and you know what? This whole verse needs to be taken out. And they do. They remove whole verses. <clears throat> As I said, the NIV has 64,000 less words, in, around 64,000 less words than the, than the King James. Anyway, <clears throat> Genesis 3, 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So she corrected the devil. But her problem was that she really should have never even entered into dialogue with the devil. Okay? <clears throat> that was her, her first mistake. Because the first thing she said was, you know, accurate. And then... The serpent said unto the woman, Genesis 3, 4, you shall not surely die. So again, he questions the word of God again, even bigger, in a bigger way this time. Next verse, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Like that makes us a god, because I know between good and evil... Satan hasn't changed a bit. His tactics are pretty much still the same. Maybe a little different flavor on them. Depending on the individual he's trying to deceive. But again, the, the big carrot that he used, where the very first sin that was committed in the Bible, if you think about it, I mean, uh, the very first human sin that was committed, which is right here, what was the big care? What was the big reward that he was saying you're going to have? You shall be as gods. And all of these people that are obsessed with this New World Order, Aquarian transformation, transhumanism garbage, all of these professing themselves to be wise who are actually fools, these doctors and physicists and all these people, that's what the, where they ultimately say we're going we're to be as gods. Well, if you're a god, you don't have to answer to any other god, right? Because you're your own god. It's a pretty good deal. I don't have to answer to a holy God because I am a God. Well, they want that. They don't want to have to answer to a holy God. They don't want to have to adhere to things in the Bible. They want to do it their way. <clears throat> Another quote. Edward Osborne Wilson, who is a biologist, he says, Homo sapiens, again, whenever you see that, you know it's Darwinian. We know that it's, it's evolution. Where are the Homo sapiens? You know? Homo sapiens, the first... Truly free species. And, and yeah, that's another New Age, New World Order buzzword. Whenever you hear somebody saying, we're a good species. Homo sapiens, the first truly free species, is about to decommission natural selection. 
The force that made us. Oh, so natural selection is the force that made us. It's not God created man, you know. It's not the Genesis account of creation. Seven day creation period. No, 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 it's not that at all. No, no, no. Natural selection did that. See, there's the Big Bang. And then the rocks spun out of control and they eventually formed planets. Of course, we don't know where the Big Bang even came from. And then these primordial rain rained on the rocks for millions of years, and out of the primordial slime emerged two cell amoebas, and they eventually slithered into the primordial sludge of the ocean, and then out of them formed, you know, some type of amphibious creature or fish or something, which slithered on land and eventually became a yak, and then that became a ground squirrel, and then that became a lemur. And then the lemur became some type of gorilla-like monkey thing creature, which eventually became Piltdown Man, and then Neanderthal Man, and then eventually evolved into humans. Even though there's no evidence of that right now happening, where we've got species that are evolved. There's microevolution, which are small changes, um, adaptations that occur in species, but there's no evidence of transitional forms or macroevolution at all. There's none. It doesn't happen. Why? Because God created it. He didn't do it wrong the first time. But see, the devil's just trying to defile all that and pervert God's creation. The Lord Jesus Christ rebuke him. I mean, it's grievous. But yeah, that's the first, you know, uh, that Genesis 3-5 is where it all started. And isn't it funny? It's like all coming back to that. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. And all of these ascended masters and all of these alien communications and all of these ascended master channelings and when people get abducted and taken aboard the mothership, what are they being told? Well, you're getting ready to go into your next evolutionary step. See, we're your creators. This is called the ancient astronauts theory, which is what intelligent design is based on. It's not based on the God of the Bible creating us. That's the surface garbage thing that we're fed. Intelligent design, if you actually boil that back, is, is based on the ancient astronaut theory, which is where these benevolent space beings, these ascended masters, came millions and millions of years ago, or billions possibly, whoever you want to believe, and seeded the planet with humanity, and were little, their little science project, and they've got to come back at some point and police their little science project. <clears throat> because we've messed things up so bad. Some of those views have us evolving, some of them don't. It kind of depends on the flavor of the alien that's giving it to you, or the flavor of the devil or demon posing as an alien that's giving it to you. Or these ascended masters, supposedly. So it started out with a lie in the Garden of Eden that you shall be as gods, and it's going to end up in the end times, going into the end times that we're, we're in and we're moving into, as the same lie, as the same carrot the same reward system from Satan that's going to be the big temptation to sell your soul you should be as gods Jerome C. Glenn of the director of the Millennium Project and co-author of the State of the Future says synthetic biologists forecast that as a computer code is written to create software to augment human capabilities so too genetic code will be written to create life forms to augment civilization. Notice how it's always so sterile. And we're homo sapiens, we're species. You know, computer code. Things like that. So too genetic code will be written to create life forms to augment civilization. The Bible says that we're supposed to to produce after, every seed is to produce after its own kind. That's how God commanded it from Genesis. If it's an apple seed, it's supposed to produce an apple tree. If it's a human seed, we're supposed to produce more humans. We're not supposed to cross-blend DNA and try to create some abomination from the pit of hell. Which is, you know, this is where we're moving. Hollywood sci-fi, you know, whatever whatever source you may be, that, that's where they're all pointing you to. So many shows that are on are absolutely pointing you to that. 
We're going to create this super race. Augmenting man and machine. Augmenting human DNA and animal DNA. Augmenting alien DNA and human DNA. And the Bible says they, meaning it's some other race, and I believe it's the fallen angels, shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, just like it was in the days of Noah. But they shall not cleave, meaning aptly fit. They're going to have a little bit harder time pulling off what they did in Genesis 6 as they are in today's day and age, is what I believe the implication is there. We'll have to see how it plays out. Joel... Garou, Lincoln Professor of Law, Culture and Values at the Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law says, quote, The ability to tinker with our genes offers the astounding promise, the peril and peril of immortality. No, it doesn't. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. You can say, I'm going to live all, you know, I'm going to live a thousand, you know, you're not. Mm-mm. Whenever God says you die, that's when you die. Whenever your day appointed to die comes, that's when you die. Whether you're a Christian or unsaved. And you can't get around it. You can try to squirm out of it all you want. But whenever it is your appointed day to die, or your appointed time to die, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, that's when you die. And God sets that time, and he set it, most likely, from the foundation of the earth. He said to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the womb, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He knew him before he formed him in the womb. God knows the beginning from the end. And he's not subject to time anyway. He stands outside of time and looks in. He created time for our benefit. So, um, <clears throat> The ability to tinker with our genes offer the astounding process. The peril of Im- and peril of immortality, which mythically has been defi- the defining difference between gods and mortals. Oh boy, aren't we poetic? It also offers the possibility of an even greater variety of breeds of humans than there is of dogs. Well, personally, if I'm going to be a particular breed of human, I want to be a chihuahua. Definitely want to be a Chihuahua. I mean, hey, why not, you know? Or a Great Dane. I don't know. Maybe a Labradoodle. I mean, isn't that a hybrid? You take a Labrador and you take a Poodle and you got a Labradoodle. What's not to like? They're cute. They're furry. They're friendly. Can you believe this quote? The ability to tinker with our genes offer the astounding promise and peril of immortality. What a lie from the pit of hell. Which mythically has been the defining difference between gods and mortals. These people so want to be their own god. And Satan will meet them at their need. You know, he'll give them all the lies they can take in. It also offers the possibility of an even greater variety of breeds of humans than there is of dogs. Reminds me of that verse in the Bible, the dog is returned to, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so the fool does according to his folly. This is folly. Total folly. They just got to figure out some way to, to get God out of the picture, you know, and be their own gods. <clears throat> Unbelievable. Next quote, Professor Hugo Degueras, artificial brain designer. I want an artificial brain. I mean, come on. I could be really snappy with comebacks if I had an artificial brain. Probably. Anyway, the prospect of building godlike creatures fills me with the sense of religious awe that goes to the very depth of my wicked soul, I mean my soul, and motivates me powerfully to continue despite the possible Horrible negative consequences, end of quote. What, like Frankenstein? Building godlike creatures? I mean, doesn't that kind of remind you, like, you know, isn't that what they were trying to do with Frankenstein, kind of? Fills me with a sense of religious awe. Oh, good. So this man is motivated to powerfully continue despite the possible horrible 
negative consequences. Ah, it's worth the risk. So what? We create this hybrid race that consumes us and turns on us like rabid dogs. Wasn't that what Splice was about? I mean, I don't know. I didn't see the movie, but wasn't that kind of what it was about? I mean, I don't know. From the previews, it didn't look like the Splice monster woman thing looked like she was really nice. I mean, she might have wanted to work on her etiquette a little bit more. Maybe, you know, the manners and that type of thing. But she didn't look real nice to me. I don't know. I could be wrong. Next quote, Nancy Gibbs, editor-at-large for Time Magazine. We always know Time will give us the truth, right? We're going to look at that very shortly. As laboratories incubate new blends of man and machine... Okay, so we're openly in reference here, right from the very start of this quote. As laboratories incubate new blends of man and machine... Now, we're talking about the blending... Of man and machine. Now, the mark of the beast is going to be a blending of man and machine, I do believe, because without it, you will not be able to buy, sell, or trade. So there has to be some electronic component in this that would monitor, like if you're working for Big Brother, how many whatever New World Order credits you have and how much you spent on this bill or that or when you go to the. Okay. So most likely, the mark of the beast is going to be an incorporation of man and machine, as well as, you know, the other attributes of it. <clears throat> the path of progress cuts through our four-way intersection. Okay, so this is her quote. The path of progress cuts through our four-way intersection of the moral, the medical, the religious, and the political. And whichever way you turn, you're likely to run over someone's deeply held beliefs. See, like us born-again Bible-believing Christians. Who, for the most part, who are not going to be educated about these subjects, and I, you know, and this is why I have this ministry, they're going to have a hard time with a lot of the stuff that's coming. Remember, the Bible says, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect regarding the end times. Jesus Christ said that in Matthew 24, 24. If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And that God is going to be sending the strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that he's, he said that about born-again Bible-believing Christians, but those that had no love for the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness, that's who he's saying it about. So, then she goes on to say, Venter's bombshell, the creation of the synthetic life, Cynthia, and I'm not exactly sure what she's in reference to there, um, revived the oldest of ethical debates over whether scientists were playing God or proving he does not exist. Because someone reenacted Genesis in suburban Maryland. In other words, this experiment took place in suburban Maryland, and supposedly, because it was this creation of this synthetic life form, Cynthia, they reenacted Genesis. I mean, what, what blasphemy. You talk about no fear of God. <clears throat> the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. That's what the Bible says about fear of God. So what's the opposite of the fear of God? No fear of God. Okay, so, if the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, what is no fear of God the beginning of? Well, it would be the opposite of, you know, understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. It would be the opposite of that. See, professing themselves to be wise, in God's eyes, they are fools. They think they're in pursuit of some grand, noble endeavor for humanity, so that we will be like God-like and we'll be able to evolve into the next whatever phase of creation. They're nothing more than deluded reprobates that don't have a clue worshiping the creature more than the creator, according to Romans 1. We're going to read those verses too a little bit. Next thing that relates to this. Lady Gaga's creative director, Lorianne Gibson, explains the egg. Have you seen the egg yet? Lady Gaga's Grammy entrance, where she comes in and she's in this translucent egg that supposedly she'd been in for three days straight. <clears throat> I hope she had some deodorant on her. I mean, my word, she's. I mean, this thing wasn't real big. Supposedly she was in it for three days. I don't know. I mean, the thing looked like, honestly, it looked like some B rated prop in some B rated uh, horror movie. It really did. It looked cheesy. 
Really did. Anyway, you would have thought with her money she could have devised something a little more better, streamlined. I don't know. But it looked pretty cheesy to me. I don't know. <clears throat> so she gets on the red carpet, coming in, I think it was for, I don't know, was it for the Grammys? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, post-Grammys. She comes in, and you could go up there and watch the videos, and she's got <clears throat> four guys dressed like they were just going into some sadomasochism gay bar, okay? And <clears throat> they're carrying her up on this, like you would carry like uh, your king or your emperor or your empress. She's in this egg. She's up on this thing, this, these wooden stanchions that are carrying her up on their shoulders, these guys. And there's this one lady there that just kind of has her hand on the egg as they're walking. All of these guys, and this woman, and including Lady Gaga, have these like protuberances. When there's when Lady Gaga comes out of the egg, you can see it. These protuberances on their head, like coming out of their skin, like they're not human anymore. Like they're some other race. They look kind of like a mild version of a Klingon on Star Trek. Um... <clears throat> Where they look kind of, they look human, but they've got these new features, these new protuberances, like horns, like they're of their father the devil. All they really need is a pointy tail and a pitchfork to complete the outfit. I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be nice. Anyway, I wanted to set the stage for you there, because this is then her choreographer and creative director, Lorianne Gibson, who's the one that put all this together for Lady Gaga. She's the, Lady Gaga's main whatever, choreographer, creative director. She phoned in on Monday morning to On the Air with Ryan Seacrest to, po- to chat post-Grammys and reveal the creation process behind the extravagant avant-garde ar- artist that is Lady Gaga. <clears throat> or as um, Dr. Uh, Hoggard, Pastor Hoggard says, Lady Gagme. <laughs> Which I think is way more appropriate. I watched his whole presentation on this the other day. He goes really in depth on like all of the occult implications of this. And I mean, he, oh man, he does some serious research on this one thing alone. I'm not going to go that far in depth, okay? But if you want to know, you can look it up. You can go to uh, Michael Hoggard's uh, website. You can find it on the internet. Just do Dr. or Pastor Michael Hoggard and... Um, <clears throat> I believe it's O or H O G G A R D, and uh, you can see his thing he did on Lady Gaga or Lady Gagme. Anyway, so <clears throat> the creation process behind the extravagant avant-garde artist that is Lady Gaga and her vessel—it's her vessel. This egg is what they call the vessel. Lorianne works with celebs from Katy Perry. Diddy, whoever that is, and Jessica Alba. I don't know who any of these people are. Honestly, I really don't. I mean, I've heard their names, but I just don't, I couldn't pick them out in a crowd if you had to. Anyway, and as for what everyone is wondering this Valentine's Day, what was Lady Gaga's egg placenta vessel-like shape she was carried on down the red carpet in last night and emerged from on stage? Uh... So what was that all about, okay? This whole egg placenta thing. Okay, what was that about? Lorianne, her main choreographer, says, happily explained, explained, quote, it was really emotional for me because when she played the record for me, I was like, my goodness, do you realize what you've given me lyrically? Now this is evidently the new record that Lady Gaga's coming out with or has come out with. She added then, it's a record with a message. So it actually took me a while with this creative process, and I couldn't sleep. And then two weeks later, I called her, and I said, I got it. She says, we have to birth a new race. They have to have DNA where they can't hate. End of quote. So they brains- she brainstormed on this with Lady Gaga's new album, and this was the ultimate um, conclusion she came in brainstorming is... We have to birth a new race through this, I guess, through this album. They have to have DNA where they can't hate. Now, they is like when it says they mingled themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave, where it says that in Daniel, about the, I believe about the fallen angels, because they implies another race. It's the same here. It says we have to birth a new race. It's, it's something different 
than the humans. They, meaning this new race, have to have DNA where they can't hate. And that is why when Lady Gaga comes out and she's doing this interview and she has these horns under her head, and there's people that get implants like that. In, in her case, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like legitimately real. You know what I mean? I mean, she's so evil and wicked. And all of these these guys and this one woman right there, they've got these these horns under their skin on their forehead, and then they've got these things on their cheeks. They don't look human anymore. Well, they're not evidently, according to them, or, or at least that's the image they're trying to portray. They have to have DNA where they can't hate. Well, DNA is what we're made of. And it's what makes us humans. And if it's different, isn't that like mingling themselves with the seed of men? Or trying to? Isn't that what they were doing in Genesis 6, the crux of it? The sons of God saw the daughters of men at their fair, and they had these offsprings that were Nephilim? Hmm. I don't know. I'm sure there's no correlation there. Anyway, if you want to know more about Lady Gaga, I did a dedicated study on her not too long ago. I'll try to go back and put the link in here. I forgot to do that when I was making the study. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. She is about one of the most wicked, degenerate, evil, nasty uh, people on the planet. That's all I can really say. She is beyond evil and reprobate. Most likely a um, bisexual. Um, in fact, she's pretty much admitted that. It just depends who's interviewing her on a, diff- on a particular day. Um, really sick. Really evil. Really twisted. <clears throat> so, then it ends by saying, in short, Lorianne concluded, quote, it's a vessel, this egg, like an unstoppable pod, bringing light to a place where we need hope. Yeah, I'm going to go to Lady Gaga, because I need hope. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I mean, I really felt a lot of hope when she came out there in that dress made of raw meat, raw red, like almost bloody looking meat. That was a nice touch. And now she comes out looking like she's not even human anymore. And then how she just praises the gays and the and the, uh, the the whole sodomite community and just says that she's here to basically for them to dedicate her life to help them. I mean, yeah, that that gave me a lot of hope. I mean, I thought Madonna was was sick and perverted. Lady Gaga has taken it to such a different level. <clears throat> so then. She, she goes and ends it by saying, adding, you have to go back and watch it, and watch it again, meaning this egg thing, and then get ready for the video, and the story will unfold. So see, we don't, we don't really know how this is going to end. She's saying you need to go back and watch the video over, I'm not, t- I'm not telling you to do that, but evidently there was something, if you watch all this video of this egg, and the Grammys and all and whatever, evidently if you watch that, there's going to be some things you pick up on. And then it'll make much more sense when they come out with this video, where I guess they're going to have another video where this egg is most likely the centerpiece. And then the story will truly unfold. So, Lady Gaga's doing her, her part to um, you know, usher in the New World Order. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end part two here. And we're going to continue with the same line of thinking where we're going to be talking about uh, the Time Magazine cover that has just been released um, for uh, 2.21.11. On, and it's entitled 2045, the year when man becomes immortal. We're going to talk about that. And I also, I'm going to give you a link, not only to the cover story, but I'm actually going to give you a picture of this cover in the PDF. So... God bless you, and we'll see you in the next part.